You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good evening, everyone. So this is part three and our final part looking at being a generous home. I really want to encourage you, if this is your first time connecting with this series, is to go on Spotify, YouTube, whatever, and listen to the last two talks. It's really important to do that because it will set everything in context. Because when you're talking about things like finances, um, I really think it needs context. It needs um, communicating in a way which isn't just something in five, ten minutes. Uh, Because for a lot of people, it's a highly emotional topic. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about finances and the kingdom. Um, Lots of different schools of thought on it in terms of church and Christianity. So really encourage you just to um, listen to tonight, but in the context of the last two parts. Uh, I was with my four-year-old this afternoon, and um, she had some ice cream in a bowl. And I said, can I have some? And she said, no. And I said, "Um, but sharing's caring. And she said, no. And I said, what? What does Jesus think about that? And she said, I think he thinks it's great. And I'm like, my own household needs radical discipleship on the area of generosity. So um, let's see how we get on tonight. And um, I was thinking in the worship about, just had this picture of when I was at school. And I don't know if you had that gym old school gym hall with the, the gym ladders on one side of the walls. Anyone remember that? Or was that just my time? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I'm relevant. And, uh, uh, and I was just, I was taken back to the pure emotion of when I was told to go up those ladders and I was freaking out. And it felt so big and I felt so small. I really didn't want to do that. And, uh, and yet others were just right up there. They were just like, couldn't wait to climb up the ladders and get to the top. And it, the class was really split. And I thought to myself, that that's actually sums up many people's perspective when it comes to their journey of finances and money and generosity and giving. For, for some of us, it, the whole thing seems very, very daunting. It just feel like we've grips with fear on the whole thing. It's a major, major thing in terms of trust for you. For others, it's kind of like, yeah, we're just scaling those heights and it's not a problem. And wherever you find yourself on the journey, I want to just encourage you just to take the first step. Just to just get a hold of the first rung of that ladder. I was, I was with my daughter again at, at Rock Up. Has anyone been to Rock Up at St. Stephen's Centre? Three of you, okay, and, um, and that's like a climbing wall experience, and it's fantastic, and, and we paid the money and went there, and of course, she didn't want to go up the climbing walls, but we managed to kind of get maybe probably half a meter off the ground, and, uh, and, and that was okay, and, and so it just made me think that, you know, for, for some of us, it might just be doing that, it might just be clinging on to that first little... Uh, rung of the ladder or that first bit of the climbing wall when it comes to, to giving generosity. But I want to encourage you to go on that journey because there aren't many, many aspects of life where you can visibly and physically see God at work 
as easy as it is with money. It's so much part of our everyday, it's so tangible. And if we want to get out from Christianity just being a theory, or just being a formula, or just, you know, we yeah, read in the Bible, and that's, that's great for, for those guys. But if you, if you want to take your discipleship into something that, hey, where you see God show up in miraculous ways, then generosity is one of those incredible routes to take, incredible journeys to take. It is, I think, first and foremost, like an adventure. And like any adventure, there are things that are unforeseeable, there are ups, there are downs. You know, last Sunday I preached uh, on generosity, and um, I, I could, I, I'm, th- I'm pretty sure I even mentioned it to my wife, I could have predicted it. As soon as you do that, it's just the enemy as I go. The next day, we spent all of our bank holiday Monday. Um, we, we broke down. Our car broke down. And we spent four or five hours waiting for a tow truck. It was an absolute disaster. And, you know, I, I, could, I could have predicted it. Whenever you step out in the adventure of things like that, you're going to get tried. You're going to get tested. Things are going to happen to make you go, oh, do you really believe this? But I want to encourage you to go on that adventure. And um, generosity, and we've been, we've been at pains to really express this the last couple of weeks, generosity at its very, very heart and nature and core isn't about some kind of formula. It, it, is, it is all about a personal thing between you and God, which is to do with a heart of obedience, a heart of trust, a heart of faithfulness and because God is so radically generous we want to be like him I mean that that's like the 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 basics of Christianity God is so generous he he gave us his son went to the cross and because of that because he loved the whole world and we see his lavishness upon us and what he's given us as a response to that as an act of worship we just want to be generous too we want to be we want to be like Jesus and you know, I've never met someone in my Christian walk who I've admired in terms of their Christ-likeness, in terms of their character, and they haven't been radically generous. And I don't mean being impressed in an arrogant way or prideful way. You know, most things when it comes to giving should be done in the secret place. The Bible's really clear about that. Like fasting, like so many other things. But I just know, you just know you've met someone like Jesus when they're generous, don't you? When it's just like, uh, hey, whatever's mine is, is God's and therefore I'm just like this distribution center for his ways and his purposes and his kingdom. And, uh, and there's no sense of like I'm being a slave to the power of mammon, to the spirit of mammon. But actually it is a vehicle to reach more people for the kingdom. And we get to play our part in that. You know, I believe in every single one of us, there is this, there is this seed of, of, of generosity. There's this seed of greatness when it comes to a life of generosity. And yet all of us have this battle, don't we, where we have the worries and the anxieties of the world choking on us. And uh, there's a proclivity for, uh, for sin and for greed and for selfishness and not 
uh, leading a life of generosity and open-handedness to whatever God wants to do in and through us. I, I kind of think of it like bad posture. I have terrible posture. I, I just catch myself if I'm sat down on the computer just slouching. Anyone else like that? And, and, and if you try and correct your posture, it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? It's just like as you correct your back and, and focus on that, it's very uncomfortable. It's kind of like that with, with giving and generosity and this whole journey and adventure. You know, at first it may feel uncomfortable, and it will. It may feel like a duty. And like so many things in the Christian life, it feels like a duty at first. And then it becomes a discipline. So it becomes like this is something I just know that's good, that God's told me to do, and it's the right thing to do. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how I feel emotionally or what my past says or what my parents did with their finance, whatever that looks like, I'm just going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And therefore, we get into a discipline and a habit of giving generosity. And eventually, you come to a place of breakthrough where it's an absolute delight. And it's, it almost becomes like a second nature to you. And um, ultimately though, this is why it's often I think so difficult to talk about money in the context of our faith and church. It is a heart issue. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there you'll find your heart. And I love this quote from great communicator, pastor in, um, in the States, Louis Giglio, and he says this, it's easy. You follow the trail of your time, your affection, your money, your allegiance, and at the end you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what it is of highest value to you. And on that throne is what you worship. So we give to what we truly worship and what we truly love. If you love someone, you spend time with them, you give to them, you're generous with them because you love them. All of us, if we followed that trail, whether it's looking at our bank account, whether it's looking at the time that we spend on things, and we'd be able to figure out who we worship. And ultimately, and I said this in part one, there's a war, there's a battle every single day. Will we worship Jesus? place him on the throne and therefore it's the radical grace of generosity or will we place ourselves on the throne which is idolatry and that is about greed that is selfishness that is hoarding that is I just want to protect my lot in life uh, we, we, we lead our lives with our fists clenched and we don't want to give we want to excel in this grace of giving. I want to dress like an elephant in the room, and it's this, why, why did God create even giving? Why did he create giving? Why did he create tithing and generosity? And was, it, was it simply to like support the church and its work? And my answer to that is absolutely not. I said part one is that God doesn't need our money, the church doesn't need the money, if you read the Bible, you've got ravens carrying food, fish carrying money. God could send manna from heaven at any time. So I know God can support his kingdom advance and the church through many miraculous means. 
But I primarily believe that God created giving and generosity to work greed and selfishness out of humanity. It's his way with his proclivity to be selfish and to be greedy, is to work that out of our lives. He has created generosity. And sadly, much of today's teaching on giving actually puts selfishness back into giving. We've taught give to get and you know, tithe even if you're broke and then people resent God for not coming through for them. And we've placed the idol of self again back into something which is supposed to be so beautiful, which is about giving away and about trusting Jesus. So giving is not God's way of raising money. It's his way of discipling and raising us, his children. Just read these, um, I don't have it on the screen, but in 2 Corinthians 9, these amazing verses says this, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it'll be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The widow in the Bible who gave a penny gave more than the rich because God factored in her heart. And so people count amounts. We all count amounts, but only God can count the cost. And that penny cost her everything. So generosity isn't an event, it's a belief system, it's a mindset, and it's got nothing to do with how much we have. But it's to do with our hearts, between us and the Lord, it's to do with the cost. And it's about giving with the right motive. And so notice that God isn't oppressed with a, someone who wants to give, but grudgingly, He's like, oh, I suppose I better, it's the right thing to do, or I better do this because, you know, I feel guilty, or none of that. God's after people who are generous, but with the right motives, to be a cheerful giver. Do you know, I was thinking, you can often tell what matters to a person by what they leave behind when they depart this world. And if you think about the life of Jesus and think about what he didn't leave, I think it's astonishing. He didn't leave a, a wife or a son or a daughter, no house, no clothes, no money, no business, no writings, directly authored anyway, of course we have the Bible. No hymns, portrait, buildings, cross remnant, no confirmed gravesite. So scant a trace did Jesus leave, then some have claimed that he was a myth. But the only things he actually left behind, which is why this gospel is transforming people all around the world and us included and billions of people put their faith in him. Jesus left his word, his teaching, and he's left his church, just a few hundred people. And those two legacies have changed the course of history. And so if you think about all those things that we've 
place value in and we look to invest in. We think about all these things that can easily pass away, nations and industries and families and political movements and houses and heirlooms and photos and cars and degrees and everything that we earthly cherish, all that stuff will actually just fade away. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, what do we want to invest our lives in? When it comes to money, I think what will be remembered for in terms of eternity's sake, in terms of legacy, is actually what we gave away, not what we try to build here on earth. And Solomon talks about this, doesn't he, in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, he said he's the wisest, richest guy that ever lived, and he built so many things, did so many amazing things, and at the end of it, he said it's just like chasing the wind. He said everything is meaningless. What was the point of those things? And so when it comes to something physical like money, we have a choice. With that, do we serve and become a slave to the power and the spirit of mammon, or do we use it in generosity for the sake of the kingdom? And in that, we become more like Jesus as we are generous, and in that, we are creating and building a legacy which is beyond us, but actually it's about other people. It's about generations to come. It's about investing in generations to come. And so ultimately, and and, and if you could take any point away with you and when you come tomorrow morning and just do life, school, university, work, whatever, I want you to think about this one principle. And when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, when it comes to generosity, this adventure, I love this idea of stewardship. Will you be, will I be sovereign, i.e. God, or will I be a steward of money? Will I be sovereign or will I be steward? At every point, every decision, everything we do where we choose to invest, what we choose to do with our money, Are we a sovereign or are we a steward? Stewardship is ultimately managing something that is not your own. Stewardship is management and it's a life only for the responsible and it's a life for only those who are entrusted with these things. And the first principle of stewardship is this, God owns everything. God owns everything. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so if we want to grow in maturity, if we want to grow in our discipleship, we're constantly every day going to be faced with this decision. It's not just finances, but it's literally every area of my life. Am I putting myself on the throne? Am I in control? Am I God here? Am I here to please myself? Am I sovereign of my own life and my own possessions? Or am I simply a steward managing that which has been entrusted to me? So God has given all of us and entrusted to all of us gifts and talents and abilities. For some, he's made, talk about this in Timothy, he's made wealthy to be entrusted with those things for the sake of the kingdom. 
So let me break this down really practically. When it comes to money, and I've been on this journey, I was saying this morning since really I started this journey when I was 18, so that's, I think a number of you in this room are at that age, so maybe again, this, you're just starting this out. So for 20, uh, let me do my maths, 23 years, I've been on this journey. And so when money comes in, that's through a wage, income, and just in case you're a student here, which I know some of you are, and you're thinking, well, that's not me, I get a loan. No, it does include you. And the reason is, is that have you ever bought a pint of beer or a kebab with your student loan? Hands up. <laughs> so if we could buy things like that, we could, of course, we can give things away. And so I know many people think, well, it's a loan and we, we have this, we've got four young kids and my threshold and everything we get, um, what do you call it? Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, thank you very much. So we get some of that, and you can see, so, well, no, that's, the government has given us some money. Don't, no, we calculate all of that. And so that money comes in. First question, am I sovereign over this money? Does it belong to me? It's mine because I, I worked hard to get it, or I deserve it, or am I a steward of that money? If I'm a steward, then this is how I view it. All of it belongs to God. Everything. I even say, like, my kids are on, on loan to us. My kids belong to the Lord. Everything is on loan to us in order to steward. He's sovereign over it. He's in charge of it. But we've got to steward it really well. And so when you do that, and you look at that, and, and you want to respond by putting, and I talked about this this morning, putting God first in your life and giving him your best, not your leftovers and you want to give him your trust and so for us we'll might take minimum 10% of that money of that income and give it away so into local church and as we do that we are communicating to God and communicating actually to our own hearts that we will not be ruled we will not be ruled by the script of this world. We will not be ruled by the spirit of mammon. We will not be ruled by the consumerist culture. But actually what we're doing is we're saying, God, because it's all yours anyway, as an expression of my heart, as an expression of obedience, expression of wanting to put you first, I want to release my hand. Even though it's really costly, even though it's like looking at those ladders at the gym, I'm going to place my first hand on that first rung and then my foot and I'm just going to keep going and saying God because you're so generous because you're worthy of everything I'm going to posture my heart in order to be generous and to be a good steward I want to think about what does it mean to be a good steward I think of one word and at the end of the day what is Jesus looking for in his church? I just think he's looking primarily for faithfulness. Will you be faithful with what God has given you? The parable of the shrewd manager, Luke 16, verse 10, it says, if you're faithful with little, God will give you much. And that's really an insight into the economy of God's kingdom. That's, that's how it works. It's how it's always worked. God gives you a little, 
It's not about, I've heard this, um, uh, we talk a lot about this with our kids, you know, oh, you know when, I'm, when I'm earning, when this, when that, then I'll start doing A, B, and C. And I've always been in the view, hey, if, if you're tight with a pound, you'd be tight with a million. It's just how sin nature works. What God's looking for us is like, hey, can we be faithful just with the little? See what he does with that. It takes your faith into a radical area of reality. Wow, God really is involved. He knows every detail of my life. He knows, God knows what's in your bank account. <laughs> Some of us may be trying to hide that amount from the Lord. He knows everything. He knows our thoughts before we even think them. Can we trust the God who knows everything? And I was thinking about the story of Moses in Exodus 7. And it's that story where Moses has his staff and he throws it down in that God encounter and it becomes a snake. And, and of course, that staff represented a bunch of things for Moses. It, it represented his identity and that he was a, a shepherd. It's a symbol of his own occupation, his career, his job. Second, it's a symbol of not only his identity, but his income. All his assets were tied up in sheep. You know, nobody had bank accounts in the Old Testament. Do you know that? Didn't nip down to HSBC or NatWest. All the assets were tied up in their flocks. And so it's a symbol of identity. It's a symbol of income. And the third thing is a symbol of his influence. He was able to move sheep from A to B with the use of his staff. And he was asked, invited to lay down that staff, which represented three things. His identity. What's in your hand? You've got income. You've got influence. If you lay it down, I will make it come alive. I will do the impossible and the miraculous through that which you lay down. That which you lay down in the natural, you'll release the supernatural favor of God. So I want to encourage you tonight, is what has God placed in your hand? Of course, it's not just money, but in terms of our talents, in terms of gifting, in terms of our call, our influence, income, whatever it is, God is encouraging us to go on that journey of laying it down so that we can watch it come alive to something else. So Josh is going to come up in a minute um, just to share a couple of extra thoughts. But I, I just, and I'm not going to unpack these, but I just want to give, if you're making notes, here's a bunch of top tips for generosity. Okay, so I'm just going to read these out. First of all, just look for opportunities to be generous. You know, it's really hard. You know, I, I, I think it's, re it's really hard to talk about um, giving because you can't really tell any stories because things, it all needs to be done in secret. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you, I feel like God said I could tell this one just to give you an example. Okay, because it's not, nothing much. I was in Asda with uh, our eldest um, last week and we just nipped in there and oh, we're actually having a bit of a difficult week with actually things to do, to do with finances. And um, 
I was just at the self-service till and getting a couple of things and I noticed this young lad and he seemed like mischievous, you know the kind? Seemed like he was up to no good. And he, bless him, he was collecting everybody's baskets after they'd finished their self-service shop. And he was collecting the baskets and then going putting them in the pile of baskets in Asda, neatly for the... I mean, he was, what, seven years old? I was really impressed with that. And so I followed him, sounds weird, wait till he gets to the end of the story, outside where his family was, and uh, the mum there looked to be having a lot of chaos with all the kids. And I just went up to her and said, is that your son? And she actually said, no, he's, he's actually my younger brother. And, and she was apologetic, or has he been a pain? Uh, has he done something, has he shoplifted? And I actually said, no, I wanna do something. I just watched him just help people in that shop. And I wanna bless you as a family. And I got some money out and I blessed them as a family. And my point is, is that when it comes to an adventure and a life of generosity, people don't often walk around with, hey, I'm an opportunity. It's like people who, they're on the edge of giving their life to Jesus. They don't walk around with a sticker on their forehead that said, hey, come and preach the gospel to me. We've got to be alive to opportunities. And as we lead with hearts and hands that are open and eyes that are, are wide, saying, Lord, what could you do today with me? We have an opportunity in our city to rewrite the script. The people are bound by poverty to be a vehicle for God's kingdom and generosity. And, and I always follow up, you know, this is why I do it. I'm a, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. He's the most generous person I've ever met. Here's why. I go to this church. It's such a great opportunity. Never turn, always a great opportunity. Even when we were broken down, on Monday, got to share the Lord with two different people. And you, you should never waste an opportunity. Always keep your head lifted up. So look for opportunities. Number two, see it as management rather than ownership, and I've talked about that, but that's really important. Do not see your money and your finances, I own this, but see it as management. Number three, start with the small. Start with what's in front of you. It doesn't have to be something massive. It doesn't have to be like, I need a lot of money to do something. Just start with something small. Start with what's in front of you when it comes to a life of generosity. It could just be really simple and baking something and giving it to your next door neighbor. It could be in a coffee shop and you see someone and they're on their own and your heart's just like, yeah, I just feel like they're lonely and isolated and... You say, look, I want to buy your coffee today. I want to buy your breakfast. Whatever it is, just start with something small in terms of your journey of generosity. Next, organize your finances. And I said this morning, I want to say to every single one of you, we do not believe in this church in communicating anything where we have not provided a grace outpost to help people. So we have an office back there that's open during the week for our Community Money Advice Center, for people who are struggling with finances. We've helped eradicate hundreds of thousands of pounds of debt since it's been opened. But it's not just a debt center, it's to help people with budgeting. 
And so if, if, if finance is something that stresses you out, it's something you'd love to get in order because it's something that's just a real burden, confidentially, we won't know about it. The team, they can meet you off-site. You don't have to even come here to help you with your budget, your spending habits, the triggers for you, credit card debt, anything like that. They'd love to help you with that. So organize your finances, make a step with that. Next, I put read the Bible more than the adverts or looking at your bills. <laughs> because if all we're doing is looking at consumerism out there through the media and being depressed by all the things coming through with the cost of living crisis and not spending any time the at least 2,000 references in the Bible to money, then we're going to be losing faith. <laughs> so stare into God's perspective in his heart when it comes to something really important rather than actually what's happening around the world. Think about your why. Why do you even spend the way you do? I know many people have got into an addiction with spending, but that's actually because there's, an there's a brokenness in their identity. They want to look a certain way or they're trying to achieve happiness in that thing. It's important to look and follow the trail even with our spending habits. So look at the why before we do anything. Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it a legitimate godly reason for spending the way we are? Next, just be thankful and content for what you have. The Insta life, Instagram, is all about fueling comparison. You see that perfect person on the beach, you know, with thousands of followers, and you look at our life, and it's like, our life sucks compared to that. And it fuels comparison, and it robs you of your confidence. If you want to beat the Insta life, and that script in our world, then we need to start with gratitude and thankfulness. Just be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for the small things that we already have and live in that contentment. And finally, make it more than just about money. Yeah, I think money almost unlocks all these other things, but we have a tremendous opportunity to be generous with what we have. Generous with your attitude, generous with your words, generous with your hospitality, generous with your home, generous with your time. There are so many things we can begin the journey of generosity by just those things. And I believe that one knocks into the other and we begin to flourish in that whole area of generosity. So over to you, Josh. Let's welcome Josh. He comes up and shares a few minutes. Thank you. Um, just want to share just a couple of ways that you can kind of step into generosity. Maybe you're here tonight and you've just heard that and you're like, I want to begin the journey of generosity. If that's you, I'll have a pint at the bar after the service. I'm just joking. I thought that was going to go down a lot better than it did, to be honest. <laughs> I need to work the room back up. Okay. Um, I've been on a, a journey of discovering generosity uh, really since I was a teenager and trying to be generous and often 
failing with it and slowly but surely growing in saying yes to Jesus in being generous. I'm still on that journey of generosity. What I've discovered in all these years since um, I began the journey is that it is the greatest adventure in the world. It is the greatest adventure in the world um, from since I was kind of a teenager to come to university. I made a decision, a commitment that I wanted to give God, give the local church, the house where I was planted, um, some money. We pick 10%. It's kind of a biblical principle, but it's not. It's not kind of the be-all and end-all, and it's, it's kind of a great place to start. Um, I began to tithe, as the Bible calls it, and Hannah and I and my wife got married seven years ago, and we were super committed together in making that happen. And we, we have done that faithfully um, for the last however many years, and we have gone through seasons of blessing but also seasons of real lack. When Hannah and I first got married, we really didn't have much money. There was a, a temptation to be like, we just got married, we need the money, we're gonna just, we're gonna hold on to it. Um, and yet we still did our best. We kept putting God first. The first sofa we ever bought cost one pound from a charity shop. We really didn't have much money. It was the most uncomfortable sofa you could ever, ble- ever possibly imagine. It was a sofa bed but it didn't have the bed bit in it. So you sat on frames, <laughs> uh, so you sat on the springs and it was an absolute disaster. But just personally speaking, that it has been the best decision ever for my life, for my finances, to put God first financially. I discovered a long time ago that God is a better accountant than we are. God is a better accountant. So maybe you're here, and if you're really honest with yourself, you've never, you've never even thought about this. Maybe you're new to church, and you're like, wait, generosity, is that a good thing? Should I be doing that? The whole world tells me to be obsessed with myself and put, you know, look after number one. Is there another way to live which stands in resistance to that, but actually offers freedom and life and hope? And the answer is yes, it is called generosity. And when you explore generosity and start taking really tiny steps of being generous, you you basically position yourself in God's story. Because God is always generous. The most famous verse in the Bible says, for God so loved that he gave. Rick Warren says, "It's, it's possible to give without loving, but if but it's impossible to love without giving. God loved and so he gave to it. It's an expression of love. So what is, let me ask you just this really simple question tonight. What is the next step for you of generosity? Now remember, none of this is rules. This is not religion. This is not regulations. This is simply an invitation to explore life and putting God first in finances. What does the next step look like in your generosity journey. Maybe it's something as small as, John said, buying someone a drink tonight at the bar. Maybe it's kind of being more intentional with your generosity and thinking, do you know what, I'm gonna put it into my budget every single month. 
If you would like to start giving to this church, many, I mean, all of the incredible things we are doing to serve our city, to make a difference, to bring life and hope, none of that would be able to happen without the generosity of our church. When we're giving away 100 plus family food hampers every single week, the money for that comes from you guys. Uh, when we turn the lights on and, and have screens and stuff, the money for that, we're not outside funded. So the generosity of this church is remarkable. And if you would like to begin the journey, uh, whether it's like a pound a week or whatever, every little helps. Is that the Asda advert? Every little helps. Here's three ways that you can give. First of all, you can text. Uh, we're 21st century church. Uh, I have to be honest, I've never done this, so I'm presuming it works. But uh, if you would like to give just a one-off amount, you can do that by that number right there. Uh, the next one is you can give in cash. Some people like to do that and they bring envelopes and money um, to church. There's a white box at the back that you can put money in on the way out. The third, and uh, personally the easiest, is what uh, many of us do in the church, is we set up a standing order. So we decide an amount or a percentage a month, and we um, speak to the bank, and they, they do. My, my wife's an accountant, so she deals with this, so I don't really know how it works, but I presume you have to talk to someone and <laughs> make it happen, that you can do it online. Um, so that is the easiest way to do it. Now, we uh, are, are passionate about being transparent with our finances, what comes into the church, what we spend the money on, what goes out. Uh, we're committed to being a generous church. And, if, um, and actually, what we have done is we have crafted and curated a brochure to communicate all the important bits about our finances. So if you would like to know, that is being sent out to the whole church via church news on Tuesday. So if you want to know what our finances look like and what we're giving, how much money's coming in, what we're spending the money on, uh, Tuesday you will be emailed if you have signed up to Church News. Now, if you've not signed up to Church News, do not worry. There is a slide just coming up which tells you how to do it. You can head to our website, wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news. So let me encourage you to do that. You get a weekly email with everything that's going on in the life of the church. But this Tuesday is a special church news where you will be sent an update of our finances. Who's excited about that? One or two of you. I'm very excited. Ed Nicholson has been working hard on the design and behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, we're really, really thrilled. So let me just invite you to consider what it could look like to take the next step of generosity. Start small. Look at what's in your hand and how you can bless people around you and this church making a difference, leaving a legacy beyond yourselves. Could I invite the band back up, please? We're going to say a prayer together. Um, about giving and generosity, uh, and then we're going to pray for one another. Why don't you stand? Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.